0: It is the first Sunday of Advent, but Christmas may have come early for some of you, as our policy has changed that I can speak and give a sermon without wearing a mask. Not just me, all of our preachers, uh, and Rachel will talk about that in her announcements. Um, today's gospel is quite the alarming gospel. If you find yourself still hazy from too much turkey and potatoes over Thanksgiving, hopefully Jesus' apocalyptic litany has woken you up. (laughs) The portion that we read today is actually only the tail end of an entire chapter, Luke 21, where Jesus is listing off Prophecies of disease and famine, of earthquakes and floods, warring factions, brother turning against brother, country rising up against country. Jesus is actually pulling quotes from and referencing all the great prophets, Jeremiah, Daniel, Isaiah, all the greatest hits. And if you have an annotated Bible, you might see this, par- this text has a paragraph or a page worth of notes about where the tradition and prophets, words are coming back and circling through Jesus' words that he speaks to us today. However, there is one line that stuck out to me as a bit curious, when Jesus says, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Well, that generation has passed away. None of them are here. In fact, many, many generations have passed away. So what are we to make of this statement that Jesus says, this generation will not pass away? Was Jesus wrong? Was Jesus giving a best guesstimate as to the end of time? After all, and previously Jesus has said, only the Father knows the time of the second coming, not even the Son. So maybe we should be a little bit easy on Jesus with his timing if we feel like he's off. No, I think that Jesus means something different when he says this generation will not pass away. And when we lean into that, we can see how Advent anticipates, proclaims, and heralds God's love in breaking into our lives. Now predicting the future, is really a low-stakes game. If you want to predict the end of the world, it's an easy thing to do. Pick a date. January 1st, June 1st, whatever you choose. If you're right, hey, you're right. And if you're wrong, hey, it's not the end of the world. (laughs) That is a dad joke and a pastor joke. Had a baby and that was that joke. Jesus is not predicting the future. That's not his intent when he speaks about these things happening until the end of the world. By speaking of destruction and terror, of despair and sorrow, Jesus is showing that he knows what it's like to live in this world. He is fully human. And when he quotes scripture, he's not just showing that he knows the traditions and prophets, but he's showing that he knows the history. Jesus knows the destruction and devastation, the ruin and the rebuilding and the falling into ruin again, the pain and trauma endured by his people, God's people, throughout the ages. Jesus is also speaking about his own present time. For he and his audience are living under oppressive occupation, exploited and betrayed by religious and political leaders. Jesus is aware of the fate that he will suffer and the fate that his disciples will suffer after he leaves them. Jesus is not so much predicting the future but describing that he knows what it's like to be on earth. He knows the swirling chaos the tovu vavohu that was at the beginning of creation and continues to swirl to toss and turn throughout the human story this generation will not pass away what jesus means by this generation is the signs of destruction and chaos and injustice and corruption that spreads throughout Israel's history, throughout Jesus' time, through our time, and Jesus tells us today will continue into the future. Jesus is saying it will always be like this. This generation will not pass away. It is reminiscent of Jesus saying the poor you will always have with you, a prophecy that reminds us that Jesus doesn't call us to solve poverty, but to love the poor because they bear God's image, just like you and I. Today's gospel offers a similar challenge. This generation, the generation of chaos and destruction will not pass away. We are not called to avoid it or to resolve it, but to love in the midst of it. Even in the face of these catastrophic events, the love that Jesus has brought into the world proclaims an everlasting kingdom that is greater Than this generation. So, what does Jesus' kingdom look like? How do we live out this call to persevere in acts of love and faithfulness in our lives? Well, first, we must note that when Jesus identifies and compares what his kingdom will look like, he chooses spring and summer and a fig tree budding leaves not fire and brimstone, not hell and fury. The inbreaking of Christ's kingdom into this world happens through little acts of love that sprout like spring leaves on the barren fig tree. This litany of disasters that Jesus says today is initiated by an event, a story that might be familiar to us all, that Jesus witnesses a poor widow giving two copper coins, and Jesus commends her for her generosity, forgiving out of love and faithfulness. This is an example that is given to us right before the litany of signs of the unsettling, terrorizing, end-of-times apocalypse. The widow's story is given to us as an example by which Jesus calls us to love as God loves. Can it be possible that the response to the cataclysmic disaster in today's litany could be something as simple as turning the other cheek and loving thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus says, yes, in fact, this is who you are made to be. You are made in the image of God, and God is love. So in the face of disaster, love like God loves. Jesus' final command is to stand. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. This command to stand is nuanced. It is a verb that is only used one other time in the whole Bible, to stand. It does not mean to stand your ground. Jesus is not calling us to take a defensive posture against an onslaught. Jesus is not calling us to stand trial, to give a testimony or an account of our life and how we lived it at the end of times. The word for stand was only other used when Jesus encounters the hemorrhaging woman who Jesus says stand. Jesus heals and tells her to stand. Your faith has made you well. The hemorrhaging woman was bent over, suffering for 12 long, lonely years, and out of faith, she reaches out to Jesus, and he heals her. She is no longer hunched over. She is free. She is relieved of her burden. She's free to be fully herself, to stand, to be who God made her to be. Amidst her suffering, she acted out of faith and reached out to Jesus, and Jesus healed her and told her to stand just like Jesus tells us to stand in the gospel today. The hemorrhaging woman bookends the litany, which was begun by the widow giving copper coins. And the widow and the hemorrhaging woman are doing it right, living in the midst of chaos, but persisting in little acts of love and faith, living into the image God has made them in. And through these acts of love, they are letting the kingdom of Christ break into their world and their lives. And this is the gospel that we heard today. Jesus calls us to persist in these acts of love, even amidst the suffering and chaos of our own life. Loving like God loves heralds the coming of the Lord. Within little acts of love and faith, there are many advents for each of us. So when we feel shaken, when things by which we set our course have seemingly fallen from the sky, we can still love like God loves. When politics disappoints you, love like God loves. When justice systems let you down, love like God loves. When the stars fall out of the sky, when the heavens shake, love like God loves. When false prophets deceive you, when darkness surrounds you, when loneliness is your world, love like God loves. When you're in the midst of prolonged suffering, when you're working through a mountain of grief, love like God loves. When you're wearied by the chances and changes of this life, or if life feels stagnant and withering, love like God loves. Wherever you are in this Advent season, Love like God loves. For when we love like God loves, from the places that we find ourselves, we are proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God to that very place that we find ourselves. The chaos and destruction, the trauma and grief are but a generation, but God's love is everlasting. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.